take a seat, get comfortable, and, uh, and, and, and we're going to actually just right away go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 17. Joshua chapter 3. So if you uh, have a Bible, open up to Joshua. It's like towards the beginning. Uh, Joshua is like the sixth book or something like that of the entire Bible. So it's very early. Joshua chapter 3, verse 17, it says this. It says, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed. As the people passed by, they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. And this this picture of of the priests with the Ark of the Covenant standing in the middle of a riverbed. And it, it, it's in the middle where, uh, as I was just thinking about it, the middle is something that most of us don't like. I don't know about you, but no one that I know gets excited about getting on an airplane to sit in the middle seat. Like you got to fight for armrests. And if you got people with maybe they work out a little more and they're a little buffer, now you got to fight to like survive for the next hours of flight. It's it's uh, being the middle child, just saying that. We all know that connotation of like, uh, like stinks for the middle kid. Like they get overlooked, they get missed. Uh, the middle isn't the desirable. Or, or uh, if I were to just say middle schoolers, most of us already cringe because we know middle schoolers are a perfect example of how sin has entered the world because it's, it's rough. Middle school is rough. Some of you, if you're in middle school, I'm not hating. Middle school is tough. It's okay. But the middle is, is where so much happens, but so much of our attention, that's what we don't want to focus on. See, we like to start things. Most of us, maybe you get excited, maybe it's January, maybe it's just somewhere in the year where you get excited, you're like, okay, i got to get my health right, I'm going to go on this diet. Starting the diet's easy. Starting it, you can do. We, we like starting things. I'm going to start a new job, start college, whatever it might be, that excites us. Finishing things we don't do often because we can't survive in the middle, but finishing that feeling, but it's the middle. It's the middle that matters. And so many of us today, we're going through something we're in the middle of. You're in the middle of a toxic work environment. You're in the middle of a crumbling relationship, marriage. You're in the middle of all these different things that just start to pull you down. You're in the middle of a lukewarm, stagnant faith. And it's here in the middle I believe the biggest question we have is like, what do we do in the middle of something? How do, we, how do we deal with that when it's in the middle? And what we're told in this section of Scripture is these priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, for most of us, that just sounds like uh, some crazy movie. What I, I totally forgot the movie name where he has the goblet and all. Indiana Jones. Like, that's when we think Ark of the Covenant, most of us, we don't connect to that. But historically, in the Old Testament, there's this thing known as the Ark of the Covenant. And it's known as something as the presence. It's a symbol, the presence of God. And they would walk with this everywhere they go. They would walk with the presence of God around them. Now, the Bible speaks very clearly of what that looked like because Moses was instructed to build it. So we know exactly what that would look like. And there's actually a rendering, a picture which we're going to pull up on this screen. Roughly, this is what it would look like. And online, they're going to give you a wide shot so you can see that. But this is is what the Ark of the Covenant would look like. And uh, 
It would be a golden box with some beautiful wood and these two angels uh, over it, looking down on it. And inside the Ark of the Covenant uh, were a few items. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, the, the direction, the heart of God. This is what He cares for. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was a jar with bread, manna, as a reminder of God's provision that He provided. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's staff, the high priest's authority. And all this, it means so little to most of us because we are now past the New Testament and Christ. But all of this was prophetic and fulfillment of what Christ would do. Because on the top of the ark was known as the mercy seat. And they would go and they would sprinkle a blood sacrifice for the sins of a nation. Now, all of this is accomplished through Christ. So for us, it means a lot less. But for them, this is the presence of God. This is where our sins are forgiven. This is everything. And in this section of Scripture, Joshua is instructed... And he's told that you need to instruct the nation that this is how it needs to lay out. Because they're standing on one side of a river, and they got to get to the other side. And God instructs Joshua that the high priest, the priests need to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and they need to be first to enter the water. How, how it looks is, uh, the way Joshua explains it is that the, the, the priests need to be the first to enter And as they get to the middle of the riverbed, this is where they need to stop. And they need to wait there. The presence of God in the middle of this as the entire nation walks across. Now what they're instructed as well is this is going to be a parting of water and they're going to cross on dry ground. So all this is being instructed once the entire nation gets across. Most of us can't even wait till everyone else gets out of here to go for it. we got to get out first. So if they're like a song at the end or something, we're exiting, but like an entire nation and the presence of God sits here in the middle until it goes to the other side. And this is all instructed as Joshua explains this to everyone listening. This is how it's going to go down. And we're going to see that in Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So just a little earlier, this is where we see it go down. Joshua 3, verse 14, it says this, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, information here, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. So we get this information, this setting. What we're told is even that it's a certain season, and during a certain season, they all know what that means that the, the riverbed would literally be overflowing, that it's flood season. For most of us, we live in California. We don't know what that means. We know drought season. Well, think the opposite, where it's literally going over. Raging waters are occurring. And what they're told is that the priests go first. And it doesn't say, like, before you step, everything will happen. It says, when they put their feet in the water, then it happened. 
And often when we read scripture, uh, we see a bigger picture. But if we don't stop and just look at the nuances, we don't see some things. The thing that's happening in this moment, like what if in this moment, the priest carrying the presence of God, this is important. This is vital. And they're the first going into this section, like, and they put their feet in the water. But what if, what if the priest just for a moment out of fear waited until they saw something happen? And I believe for so many of us, this is the biggest struggle that, that we're not willing to take that first step, but we're waiting to see a solution before we ever step. And that's the biggest struggle that we can get to because that's where faith is at. It's in an action of trusting God even when we don't see it. Because here's the thing, you will never see God's solution until you take a step. You're never going to see something come to fruition until you trust God. And that's a personal controlling issue that we have to deal with. It happens in this moment in a trust to take a step. And for some of you today, there's a step that you need to take that you haven't been willing to because you're waiting to see everything come to and all the dots align before you're willing to trust God with it. And the first thing you need to do is just step. Is just trust. See, when we talk about a word like obedience in Scripture, often people are like, oh, I don't like that. Like, it's too rulish, which I understand. But obedience is trusting God, who he created you to be, and living that out. It's trusting what he's doing and then living that out. See, there's this, this sermon that Jesus gives that's famous. And at the very beginning, and it, it struck me this week as I was just thinking about it, because for so much of my life I've lived this opposite what I believe even Jesus says in this moment. And he says, you, and he's speaking to a crowd. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, what he's saying is you're the salt of the earth. Most of, most of us, we know salt, right? Like, you got to do some of that on your steak. It's going to be delicious. Like, you got to do some of that. But salt back then, it was also something that preserved, protected And my whole life, I've lived often going like this world's just getting worse. Things are bad. Like we just got to as the world, like there's even a statement, which I understand it's good meaning. But when it says not of this world, like I know what you mean by that. But often we're just escaping the reality that Jesus calls us to say, you are the salt of the earth. You're supposed to make things better. You're supposed to protect and preserve some stuff. And it happens in this moment where for most of us, we haven't been willing to take a step on something. We've been willing to just sit back and say, no, it's not working out the way. I expected. And it starts with a step, trusting God. For some of you, even today, you're at a place where you've just kind of given up on some things, and I totally get it. It's been years now of the same old thing, so you're just like, it is what it is. It's going to be how it's going to be. My career status, my relationship status, whatever it might be, it's just, it is what it is. And it's in a moment even like this that, that too many of us, we just get okay with the reality of what we're in and not willing to continue in faith moving forward. Now, what happens in verse 17, we're told, is that the priests enter the water, they get to the middle of a riverbed, and the entire nation crosses. For most of us, maybe you've heard this story and you're like, man, that sounds awfully familiar. Like, I remember a parting of water, but I don't remember Joshua nor a Jordan. I remember Moses and a dead, uh, or the Red Sea. Like, that's what I remember. And, and then we see that this is not the first nor the second time that God will part waters. 
But the interesting thing is when, when God parts the waters for Moses, it's for a nation fleeing Egypt out of slavery. And they're directed that they're going to go discover the promised land. But then 40 years of wandering happen. 40 years in the middle of a parting of one sea to the parting of the Jordan River occur where a nation's wandering. But it's 40 years later where they're reminded of what God did before. They're reminded of a promise again. And I think that's so significant for so many of us because you've gone about your life in 40 years. For some of you, you've even desired something for 40 years and it hasn't come to fruition. For some of you, it's been 40 days, four years, whatever it might be that you've been waiting on, but God hasn't provided the promise you thought he would. Man, his word speaks clearly that he's doing something in my life, but it's not happening. So you've just gotten comfortable with the reality of what you're in, but you've been in the middle of a season, but a reminder of his promise is still here. A reminder of a a, a crossing. And it's this moment for them that changes everything. But here's the thing, when they cross the Jordan, they're still crossing, and they're told that the promised land is right there. Joshua is the one that's going to enter them into the promised land, to where they've been desiring for, for everything that they've hoped for, for something that's their own, all this stuff that they've been praying over and walking for for 40 years. And and Joshua is going to enter them into that very soon, but on the other side of that, there's still one more enemy. There's still one more thing. So it's, it's not perfect still. But the greatest thing that happened for this entire nation was not them entering a promised land, but even in this moment, it being a spiritual milestone. Because in this moment, as they're crossing a Jordan River, what's really happening is that in this moment, they're realizing it's not of my power or my understanding, but it remains every time me trusting and being faithful to what God is doing, to his promises. So even when God says at the very beginning that you're going to enter a promised land and it's been 40 years, I can still trust that God's promises are true even if they don't happen on my timing. And too often that's our struggle. We give up on things. We back down from things because we're not willing to continue to be faithful when it, it ends up being days, not hours. When, when it's, it, it's weeks, not days. And it's in this that we would stop and see something. For some of you even today, my hope and my prayer is that maybe just for a moment, you see that this is directly to you. Just step. Just remain faithful. Don't don't give up. Don't just back down. Don't be a convenient, comforting Christian that just sits back and lukewarm. And this is faith. And you just come for an hour. You sit on your butt and you're like, I'm doing it. Like, I guess it's okay. No, God is doing more in our lives. But it requires us to be like a priest in that moment where we're willing to just step when we don't know what that looks like. When When we don't know what the outcome is. It's in a moment like this where each of us would start to say, you know what, God is not calling me to be a comfortable, like convenient Christian that just sits here in the status quo. He's calling something more, but it requires something of me. He doesn't prove his solution, and he doesn't do his work in my life until I'm willing to trust him and get out of my own understanding and comfort and take a step even when it's not comfortable. And this all is laid out for us where we we see this moment. And I just want to say, for so many of us, 
I believe the greatest threat to your spiritual growth, the greatest threat to your relationship with God is inactivity. The greatest threat to you seeing the work of God in your life is being inactive. Just sitting back. It's a moment where stepping out requires everything of us because what it does, and the most important thing, it's, it's not something you have to do an action to receive salvation. What it is, is this. You finally taking a step, it is you letting go of your control and letting God lead. And that is required. You cannot see Jesus as Lord, as Messiah, without first recognizing Him as Lord. And that means authority over your authority. Trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. So, this moment for them, it, it's interesting because when I, when I shared this with some of our team, because uh, I was just reading Joshua and I came across it and I was even reminded, oh shoot, like God parted more waters than one. Like I, I forgot about this too. And, and the, the beautiful picture in this that I found was this, that this presence of God for them, of the Ark of the Covenant, it's the one that enters the water first. It goes first for them. It's the one that stands the gap in the middle for them. And it's the one that follows after them. The reason I find this interesting is because sometimes you need to stop for a moment and just realize that, like, God has gone before you. He's already gone before you. He's not surprised by your circumstance or situation. He's gone before. But then here in the middle... You're in the middle of some stuff, some junk, and you've just given up. And it's here in the middle where you start to realize, like, God stands the gap. He's there with you. He, he's in it with you. And it might be 40 years. It might be four days. It might be whatever it is. But you're still trusting the promises that God is there with you, whatever that looks like. But then I love this because so many of us, as we attempt and we're working, we're trying to figure it out. We're like, okay, I'm trying to follow God more. I'm reading my Bible, whatever it might be, and all that stuff. And sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is this, continue moving. Because here's the thing, God's word doesn't change, and it won't contradict itself. So if you're continuing to move in faith, knowing who God is and what he calls us in our life, then you're not going the wrong direction. So you're, sometimes we're waiting for God to open every door and to show us every light and pathway and all that. And sometimes it's, no, you're already on the right path. Continue. Sometimes I believe, like, you're wondering, like, I'll use a weird example. You're, you're wondering, do I, do I want a career at McDonald's or Burger King? And some of you are like, I like their fries more. But that's not the point. But what I'm saying is, like, sometimes we're like, well, God's going to show me what door is right. And sometimes he will. But sometimes he's like, either one works because you can still follow me and encourage others to recognize who I am. It doesn't matter that much. Like, it's okay. So sometimes you can continue in faith, trusting God, even when you're like, I don't know, and God's got your back. He's not always pulling you with a leash going, come on, follow me. Sometimes he's saying, no, go. You already know me. You know my heart. So just continue. But take a step, please. Too many of us, we've stopped in the middle and we're just waiting. But what we're told is that the nation continued and then the presence of God came after so some of us, we need to start moving. We need to be encouraged and challenged. But for just a moment, I want to I speak to some of you today that I believe the best picture you can get is the one over here where the presence of God went first. 
Because for some of you today, the greatest thing you can discover is that whole fulfillment, that picture of the Ark of the Covenant has already been accomplished through Christ, and He went first. So, so you feel like, man, your life is a mess, or you feel like things are just okay, or you're like, man, I'm trying to find fulfillment in life, and things just aren't filling up because you're continuing to find it in the wrong places. But here's the thing. Christ already went before. Christ already went first. And what we know, because we're standing on the other side, is we see this. We see that Christ, he cares so much about each of us that he sees us in our struggle, our depravity, our sinfulness, our hate-filled lives. And he says, I'm going first to solve that. So there's no longer a need for a mercy seat where we have to go and sprinkle blood because the blood of Christ solved it once and for all. And he solved it for you. So it's a recognition that Christ went first and he already dealt with it. And for someone today, that's what you need to hear. And the only step you need to take is a step of faith. Trusting and recognizing Jesus as Lord. So right now, I just want to encourage you. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that first step you need to take is just the recognition of Jesus. And it doesn't require any act of yours other than trusting God. Christ did it all. He accomplished it all. You couldn't accomplish any of it, but he gives it freely. But it comes in our recognition of who he is. So for just a moment, maybe that's you today. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, that there's not special words, but there are words that we say because it's a reminder for us of what Christ did and what that means. And maybe for you today, this is your first time saying this, but I want to encourage all of us as a church, we all say this prayer together as our reminder. Would you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, I recognize you as Lord, that you have gone before, that you stand the gap in the middle, and you continue to pursue me after. Christ, I surrender myself. It's no longer my control, but I follow you. It is your amazing grace and your unending love. It's in the name of Jesus we say, amen. Here's the thing. If you said that prayer for the very first time, we as a church, we celebrate with you. This is the beginning of a journey, not the end. And I want you to hear that. And what that means is maybe on the connect card in the seat in front of you, or if you're online, you can text accepted Jesus to our number at our church, and we would love to walk this out with you because it doesn't end here, it starts here. This is the beginning of a journey, and we're walking this out as a community. I want to share that with you. We're we're here to celebrate with you, but I also want to speak to some of you today because I, I believe for some of us today, the greatest thing that you could get out of this conversation, out of this section of Scripture It it, it is the status quo, lukewarm faith that so many of us are living. And I don't mean that in a rude or hateful way because so often I find myself in that same thing. I get to a structure and a schedule and I say, this is enough. But I believe God is calling us to something more. And I believe he reveals himself in amazing ways. But it starts with us getting out of our comfort and taking a step. 
And I believe that's the greatest thing that you would ever experience in your life is when you get out of your comfort and take a step. For too many of us, we go hot and we go cold. And my biggest prayer for you is that you don't get hot for a week and you get cold again and you start complaining. And we start going, is air connected? I think 72 is better than 71. Like, what is that when we have Christ, the Messiah, our Lord, guiding and directing our lives, doing something amazing? I want to be a church that says, we're going to take a step. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't know what it looks like always, but I know if it's according to God's word, it's always better. So right now, I just want to over you. I just want to pray over you for a second. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, God. God, I pray right now for every single one of us right here. God, that your spirit and would convict us, encourage us, challenge us, whatever it might look like, that it would spur us on. God, that we would not be a people that just talk about the church, but we are the church, the bride of Christ, what you call us to, that it means something, that we encourage others, we reach others, we share something, that you would work in our own personal lives because you care personally about us. But God, that you would spur us on. God, that we'd be a people that continue to pursue you, that we'd be willing to take that step even when we don't see all dots align, that we would trust you where you're calling us even when it doesn't make sense because wherever you're calling us is always better. God, I pray this over each of us that we as a community, as a family, we would encourage each other, we'd push each other, we'd challenge each other, we'd celebrate with each other as we continue to take a step following you. God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name we say, amen.